buried them in the woods, right? So on Google Maps, right, it will show you to this park, and I can see the spot <laughs> in Google Maps where I buried these kiss cards and this yo-yo. <laughs> Welcome to Different Times Podcast. This is episode number seven. I am one of the hosts. My name's Paul Waller, and I'm here with my lifeblood bud, Daniel. Daniel, what are you going to say to the audience today? Wagwan! There we go. Because it's 2004 where I've come from. Uh, Welcome. Uh, This is a proper exciting episode for me. We're going to do... It just makes noise, Dan. Right. We're going to be doing an episode uh, here where I get to chat about KISS. Don't all switch off yet because there's a lot more happening before we get there. Um, Daniel has got off the interweb a magazine that I think, is it American? It's an American magazine called Alternative Press from April 2014. Uh, I can't fucking be right. It's it's very colourful. No, it can't be 2014. It's 2004. Daniel. That's why I said, what's up? Because that's when people said that. <laughs> I don't believe it. was going to tie together. He's ruined this podcast. Uh, Dan, first of all, did you choose this one, right, because of the awesome front cover? Yep, it's got the four members of NoFX completely naked with different slogans written on their bodies like, fight Bush, not war. Traitors Zero, and my favourite, Free Beer. And Dry Mouth. No effects, slut. And also, this really appealed to me, and will come come later, One Line Drawing. Okay. I, like, I, like, I, just, I know a lot about this issue, um, and I'll go into the reason why. I don't know anything else about alternative press except this very issue. Um, Dan, talk us through it. Uh, well, like I said, it's got... A, Lovely picture on the front cover of No Effects, completely naked. Uh, and what excited me about this, it was their first interview in seven years. Do you know why they weren't doing interviews? I do, and we get to that when we get to the uh, the bit about that. All right, is that a bit later on? We're, bit not, later we're not on. jumping the gun. This is my magazine, we do it in my order. All right, fair enough, mate. Where are you going first? Right, straight into the No Effects <laughs> bit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you come. What we're doing first is looking at seven pages of adverts before we even get to the fucking contents. It's seriously, I'm, I'm going to be saying the word fucking adverts a lot. Um, you open up, first page, yep, Kung Fu Records. Oh, there's some good shit on Kung Fu, wasn't there? Kung Fu is Dexter Holland's label. That's right. I didn't like Kung Fu. No? No. Uh, I don't even know what that's advertising. What is that? Truth. Truth. But it just says, teens spend 68 million hours a week reading magazines. Truth. Then we got um, Eulogy Records, which is quite cool. Um, Interference Records, don't know who they are. Eyeball Records. Honestly, there's like seven pages before we even get to the, the contents. Well, so. magazines are expensive to run, you know. Got to make your moolah. It reminds me of watching American TV when you're in America and you'll be watching... Um, a programme, then it just suddenly cuts to an advert and you don't right. know what's going on. The worst thing about that is when you, the programme's finished, you think, oh, that's resolved, well done programme. And then there's adverts, and you think, oh, something else is going to be happening in the adverts. And when the adverts finish, 
It's just it's the, the credits, titles. Yeah, oh, the end titles. Motherfuckers. Uh, so you get one page of contents, two more pages of adverts, uh, another page of contents, <laughs> 18, count them, 18 pages of adverts. <laughs> and then it gets to a list of upcoming releases, which is quite interesting. So it's got Get Up Kids, Locusts, Wild Hearts, uh, and one of my, well, I say one of my favourites, but one I like a lot, Descendants, Call to Be You. Right, um, that's terrible. It is, oh mate. It's so how thick's the magazine? Oh, it's not too bad, it's got like a spine. It's got a spine, it's a nice... You could yeah. drop that in the bath. I could drop that in the bath a couple of times without it losing its credibility. Okay. Uh, so yeah, then you've got the reader's poll, then you've got more adverts, and then there's a weird little reader's poll, you know we like a reader's poll. Fucking love a reader's poll. Uh, only one question. Alright. Should same-sex marriage be allowed in the United States? 89% said yes, 11 said no. Fucking hell, that's this magazine. I don't know what I've been reading. I made loads of notes on that. Um, for some reason, I thought it was a different magazine, but now I'm looking at my notes, I can see this is in here. That really pissed me off. Like I didn't know, because obviously the theme of this magazine, I think, is like the same-sex stuff, or... Uh, uh, gay gay marriage rights and things like that that mm. was going through the US at that time um, but I, I just thought when I fir- first saw it because I didn't know the theme of the magazine or anything just thought why is that a question like why have they asked their readers about that like, well some of the answers are weird as well oh mate yeah I, I wrote one of them down uh, gone. the only argument against gay marriage is a religious one if you follow a religion that promotes bigotry Legal civil unions have no bearing on the sanctity of marriage, only on health care and insurance policies. you got a guy called Christopher Thomas. I, I said, yeah. read that one out, Dan. I have split opinion on this. As a Christian, I feel homosexuality is immoral and gay people should not be married. On the other hand, as an American, I think it is a person's right to be legally bound to whoever they wish. I won't support a decision for gay marriage, but you won't find me protesting a person's legal rights. Oh. It's all very on the fence, isn't it? Mate, that's really big of big of him. <laughs> well done, Christopher. Yeah, you, you're a, a sound guy, a sound Christian. Uh, and then we go over the page, and a, quite an amusing little article with one of my favourite rock stars, Justin Pearson from The Locusts, and now in... Mate, he's in he's in the Mike band with Patton's, Mike Patton's band, uh, Dead Cross. Dead Cross, yeah. And he was in the stop banging the microphone, motherfucker. That little pop shield costs like a pound in, in pound, two pounds maybe. The we saw him, we saw him in a in a band what in Tunbridge fuck? Wells was downstairs. Retox, Retox. Fucking hell, mate! That yeah, was an I intense wish. gig. He was standing right in front of us. Like, just waiting around. And I don't know why, but I didn't say hello. I should have gone, right, Justin Pearson. I like the locust. Thanks for that. Do you know, we've spent uh, many, many days, probably, listening to Justin Pearson's music in our life. Um, He's a a flipping good guy. And he does 3-1-G records, which is loads of bands I like on there. Yeah, man. Um, Yeah, what what was that interview about? Uh, Just saying about... How he married uh, the drummer of the Locust, Gabe Serbian, when they were on tour in Hawaii, just for the fun of it. I, I or, to make a, make a point. It sounds like something Cheney from Holmes would do. It, um, yeah, that... Just so he could come back and tell people, oh, I got married to a man. 
I don't know. Is that sorry, Chani? <laughs> but you fucking would, and you know it. It's what he is. It's like he changed his name to Chaney because a girl called him Chaney once. <laughs> Justin Pearson just likes to antagonise people. I think he's. Um, I think. I think as he was getting married, I reckon he was just thinking, "Oh, my mum will be well pissed off with this," <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just loving every second of it. Yeah, so, yeah, that's cool. So we we got this thing about same-sex marriage. Uh, the locust thing covers the same-sex marriage as well. Uh, was there any more same-sex marriage stuff in there that I might have missed? No, just that little section. Oh, OK. So it wasn't a general theme throughout it, because I thought maybe No Effects was all uh, sort of about, about that. I didn't really read the interview, because I thought I knew what the interview was already <laughs> about. No. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly onwards uh, you wanted to say a little bit about Cooper Temple Clause who I didn't really know fuck all or care about well Daniel yes I did um, thanks for bringing that up I when I get a new magazine to read whether Daniel sends me it as um, photos of the, every page on the phone via Facebook message or whether I bought it myself I will always pick a band that I don't know of that they've either reviewed or that, that has got a page interview or whatever like an unknown band that I haven't heard of, and give it a go. And this one was Cooper Temple Claws. I'd heard of the name, but never heard them. I think of them before, like, you you tell me, are they like a early Nickelback? They... Or like live. I alone love you. Remember them? No, they were, I thought, and I might be completely wrong with this, because I'm, I'm doing this, I had to turn it off, right, after five songs. So I got halfway through. Um, it was... A little bit Radiohead-ish, yeah, but too rock. Um, it, it it was they were. It felt like they were too scared to to do an art album. Uh, I was very impressed with the first song. I just thought this can go anywhere here, and every song got worse. Every song got more derivative of other bands. Like Muse wouldn't wouldn't do it. That uh, they would just be like, no, this is too too shite. Let's not go down this path, uh, which I think, you know, when Muse first come out and everyone said they were a bit radio-heady, like copyists, and I think they took that to heart and just went in a completely different direction. I think Cooper Temple Claws didn't want to go in a different direction, so they tried their best uh, to do a rock radio-head and, and failed. But I got that from five songs. I could be wrong. They could have turned out to be amazing. I don't know what's happening to them now, but... No, not having to uh, the Cooper Temple Claws, not having them, not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Uh, then we move on past another few pages of adverts to a section called Low Profile, Six Bands to Watch. So six uh, up-and-coming bands here, and I've only heard of one of them. I'd be interested to know if you heard of any of the others. Bayside? Nope. Don't Look Down? No, wait. Blue Sky Mile? Who? Blue Sky Mile? No. Jupiter Sunrise. No. Circle Takes the Square. Are these the best up-and-coming bands? Yeah. No, go on. You've not heard of Circle Takes the Square? No. Um, oh, oh, hang on. Hold on. Like, um, sort of, Rain and Maria. Yeah, Hardcore, Blood Brothers. Yeah, Circle Takes the Square. Yes, I have. Um, but don't and, know him from Adam. No. I've just and heard the name. Stars Hide Fire. Nope. Nah, it's all bullshit, isn't it? Next, we have <laughs> next a Cool Descendants advert for Cool to Be You. Did you like that album? Because obviously we were super huge fans of 
everything sucks. That was on repeat in the car, on many, many car journeys, and it still gets a listen now. Did Cool To Be With You hit the mark? I was mega disappointed. As you say, like, um, Everything Sucks was not just an amazing album for us. I would say it was an, one of my all-time favourite albums and still is. is. Is it the same for you, Dan? Yeah, absolutely love it. Yeah, it, it's just, from front to back... Still to this day, even the the last song, which is an instrumental song, I just think Milo could have done such an amazing vocal on that last song. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, just imagine what Milo could do to that. But no, the follow up, I wasn't so much into. It was all right. It was good, but it just wasn't. Everything sucks. Did we see him? We saw him. Yeah, heavy, two thousand and fourteen. Okay. Uh, that wasn't very good, was no, it? No, I think it was the sound and us just being bored and wanting to go home more than anything. Also, I was really pissed off with them sound checking over Converge. So Converge were actually in the middle of their set and like in in quiet bits, which there isn't many of Converge, but they, uh, Descendants managed to pick it right. Like you could hear them like doing, oh yeah, on the drums and things. And like uh, I, I one of the the Converge guys went, I've always wanted to be in Descendants, just not <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, fuckers. Right, sorry. Yeah, go on. Uh, then we come on to another little bit, like we slagged off uh, before. We've got um, three massive games reviewed here, um, and it's done in under one-sixth of a page. So you've got oh, Deus Ex that. Invisible War, huge game. Final Fantasy Twelve, again, huge game. And Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. And each one has two tiny little paragraphs, like... What is the point? Well, if, if things different in America, like would you? I take it you'd still get computer mags or whatever. That there's a market. Yeah, of course you would. Yeah. Well, that's stupid then. It's stupid. I, I I don't I don't understand it. I don't I. You know when like you think of things like afterwards and like so last week, you said you you talked about that and and I agree and I I, I thought about it since thinking there must be a point of doing it because they wouldn't do it if people weren't interested in it and still wanted it. Perhaps the people who uh, write the reviews just want free games. That's a very cynical... I'm a cynical guy. Oh. I've got a cynical smile. Do you remember that band? Oh, they were a band, weren't they? <laughs> then we go forward a few pages and we've got an advert. Or it looks like an article about pants. Um, yeah. Which is basically just an advert for pants. Okay. Which was fine. It's uh, weird. <laughs> then we got a page of film reviews. Again, don't see why it's there. Uh, and then 50 pages in, we finally have our first double spread uh, piece in- across two pages. Yeah, with, right. with no adverts. Uh, it's an article about the record industry and how hardcore has started its own labels to get away from the mainstream bullshit that they hate so you know they can have control of what they want to do. Uh, then he goes on to talk about mp3.com, um, which is where you used to be able to go and, a bit like SoundCloud today, put all your songs on there and then people would be able to just listen to them and you could give people your link to go and hear them and download them. Oh, like a playlist or something? No, so if you're in a band, yeah, you'd put your songs on mp3.com, like you would on SoundCloud, and yeah. then just share it with people. Oh, okay. Uh, but then that was sold um, and all the music along with it was sold and ended up as like elevator lift music and background music for adverts and stuff. Oh wow. And none That's of the horrible. bands yeah, none of the bands ever got paid anything for it. 
What was that? MP3.com? Yep. Oh, man, I've never heard of it. That must be, was it before streaming? Like, not streaming, sharing, like LimeWire and... It's about that sort of time, isn't it? 2004. I just don't remember, man. It's all a big, it's all a big illegal download. Yeah, but it was supposed to be somewhere you could go to put your new band's songs. Also, like, demos and and whatever. Okay, so it wasn't just, like, it wasn't big bands. Guns N' Roses aren't going to put their album on it. It's for, so you can go there and... Oh, so this is the DIY sort of aspect of it. I, I'm completely yeah. with you. Sorry. Yeah. It's like I wasn't listening to anything you were saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we've got uh, an important, uh, I say important, a good article. Um, 25 most important bands in metal. Uh, the premises being new metal is now dead. Who's coming up to take the place and who's going to be like the next, uh, next big bands? Okay. And obviously, with hindsight, we can look back. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not looking forward to this. So this is what year? 2004. What bands they thought were going to be massive in the upcoming years. Yeah. Right. So ones that I agree with that I think have made it and are doing big stuff. Yeah. Slipknot, obviously they became quite popular. Well done, Slipknot. Uh, Kill Switch Engage, pretty fucking massive now. Not a big fan myself, but yeah, they're getting there. They're I, getting I there. see it. Uh, Mastodon. I feel them. I'm feeling them. Definitely, uh, they were ones to watch. Correct, well watched. And Arch Enemy. Very, very successful band. Uh, Then we had bands that I think should have got massive but didn't. Uh, Converge, who you could argue, but they're big to us, but they're not big really, are they? You're not going to get Converge headlining download or even the second stage on download. Yeah, you're right, you're not. Uh, but, but they wouldn't want to. I think they're with Converge, haven't they? Like reached where they want to reach. Do you think they would want to be bigger? No idea. I I'm, guess I may, maybe they would. Everyone wants to like reach as many people as possible. It's yeah, not like they're they, sacrificing. No, their, if they can stay as long as they can stay true to their art and do what they want to do, I think they'd. Why not? Yeah. Why possible. the fuck not? Uh, Dillinger Escape Plan. Could they have got any bigger if they kept going, or do you think they'd done everything they could possibly do? I don't think so. I think they're... Although they were still creative, I don't think the layman was following them on their journey. I think it was just the Dillinger fans that were already there following on on that journey. I don't think they were picking new people up, whereas Converge, every album cycle, they pick people up. Yeah, they get bigger and bigger. High on fire. Wow. Should they be bigger? Well, I tell you what, Dan, a new single came out this week. Um, I recommend you listen to it. It is like, I, I, I've i said this the very first time I listened to them, but I hadn't thought of it since until I heard this one. Very much sounds like Motorhead being completely up to date. Um, yeah, I can get that. Oh, I, do you know what? That new song's so good. Um, I first heard it whilst I was getting a tattoo done and I said, I don't know this Motorhead song. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was... Um, Dan Fry, uh, that was tattooing me, he said, oh, no, no, it's this band called High on Fire. And um, this is when I was not even into, like, underground doom yet. So I was like, oh, what, what's this? And, yeah, it opened a whole new world of, like, noisy shit. Hmm. Do you think they can get much bigger? Because obviously they're still I think that I think they potentially will do. With this, if the rest of the record is as good as this fresh single, I definitely recommend you give it a listen, Dan. I definitely um, will. Oh, well, let's not go... Just going to... Quick interception here. You recommended last week Riot V. 
fuck you. I, li- <laughs> I listened the whole way through, right? And by the end of it, like the first song, I'm in. I'm like, I was proper game. I was like, this is crazy. This is like Halloween, but with funner production. You can tell they're just like having a hilarious time doing it, but dead serious at the same time. By the end of it, I just wanted to, to claw my wife's eyes out. What and happened? It's just so... It could have been a five-song EP. Oh, so much. It's so... So perfect as well, I thought. Like, um, the production, like you said last week, the production was flashy and new, but without being polished. Um, by the end of it, all I could feel was the polish. I just thought it was just too much. But like that, when that first song kicks in, you just think, I'm going to listen to this band for the rest of my life. Uh, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's just going to change things. But yeah, it didn't last, that's to say. So, sorry, continue. The new bands. Yeah, uh, the last one, um, Isis. Okay. Back in 2004. Could you have seen Isis going on to be one of the biggest bands? Oh, back then, no, I would never have thought that. But... Their legacy is endured. Are they getting back together, I think, as Isis the band? they Yeah, they refer to themselves as that now. Oh. I don't know if they're playing shows or anything. No. Oh. I'm pretty sure they're not playing shows, because yeah. if they were, I'd have heard about it and would have got us tickets and driven us to Norway to see them if needs be. But, well, okay, I think that, in hindsight, yeah. I think they made a couple of missteps. Again, that I think they let their fans down a little bit. But they did gain some new fans. So I don't think they kept all their old ones throughout their career. Just as an overview, just like looking as a, an, an onlooker. Because I always thought they're good. I never thought they were great. And like, for instance, you, Dan, would just think, what a twat. They're awesome. Like I remember the, the album with the sea on the cover. Oceanic? Uh, yeah, like that Like was a big album. People and love that that's because it's amazing yeah it's sort of sort of um, much muchness to me I quite liked a band called The End who were similar um, but clearly nowhere near as successful I think they're even on the same label oh yeah okay but yeah I can see them um, being potentially touted as massive and can you see any of those bands like we've talked about it before you know it's time for Metallica to fuck off and we'll come to that in one of our point five episodes coming soon you know Metallica leave all the other big headliners leave Iron Maiden die Guns N' Roses die could any of those bands be the next big band to be able to headline Donington I think Donington Don- download uh, you can call it Donington it's in Donington there you go I reckon this is my two cents on that I reckon that it's going to have to be I reckon a band like Converge will have to headline the second stage. I reckon, like, because by that time, by the time the Maidens and the Kisses and the whoever's have dropped out, all that's going to be left are bands that aren't as big. Like, um, Biffy tried. Biffy are as big, but they're not as big in the metal world. Yeah, they're more in the rock. Yeah, that, that's Reading it. So festival it, sort of vibe, aren't they? The only one that I can see... Stepping up and being commercial enough is Mastodon. Yeah, you, you think... I don't, I don't know. I think they've reached where they can get. See, they've, I think they've got more in them. If they can pull out something 
that's better than Emperor of Sand next time, they'll be made. Do you think... What, well, not that they're not made already, because I'm sure they are, but that what, would put them up there. What about... The, you could the, see Mastodon headlining Bloodstock, couldn't you, quite easily? Yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. So it's just like Ghosted, and I think bands like Ghost and Mastodon are going to be the ones that make that jump and become the Donington headliners. I would be over the moon. I would go uh, 100% if the headliner to that the festival was... Mastodon and Ghost like to give bands the opportunity to headline something as massive as that fair enough put Iron Maiden on day three or whatever and make them like the festival revolve around them ACDC uh, they're, they're back in the studio apparently now with Axl Rose no 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 I, I think it's Brian Johnson oh really yeah yeah I think uh, I think he's he's been photographed with, in the studio with Phil Rudd of all people like, so yeah old teams getting back together maybe it's, it's only a few photos at the minute but like something like that then give another couple of bands the chance to headline see what they can do like they do it with uh, what was the band this year Avenged Sevenfold was it they're big enough yeah the difference between a band like Avenged Sevenfold and the other two headliners Ozzy Osbourne and Guns N' Roses Guns N' Roses and Ozzy Osbourne have got generations of fans Metallica have got generations of fans. I go to an Iron Maiden concert, you've got possibly grandparents down to grandkids there mm, watching. Yeah. Avenged Sevenfold haven't got that yet. And neither have like Parkway Drive, people like that. So I don't think, have they got the pulling power to to fill those big um, festival? Well, mate, I don't think they have. But what choice is there? I don't think there's a lot more choice. Avenged Sevenfold will be headlining those like massive uh, venues, like bands that are headline the O2 still can't headline download. It's it's tricky. I and to be honest, I don't care. I just want it freshened up. But I think that it's not a money making model to do that, or else clearly they wouldn't be still booking Iron Maidens uh, for the the massive amount of money that they do. So that's the money-making model. When that's gone, they'll have no choice but to freshen things up. I'm I'm game for whatever. Because I'm always going to... If I go to a festival like that, I'm going to see a fucking stack of classic bands that I love. I'm going to go and see a stack of uh, underground bands I love and the bands in the middle. Uh, but, of course, there's going to be a stack of shit. One of the great things about going to a big festival like that is that the big bands, normally, you would pay... Almost that much yeah, just to see, see them on their own, on their own, on their own, on their own. Yeah, that's right, on their own. Anyway, moving swiftly onwards, we come to um, one of my favourite punk bands from back in the day, uh, No FX. This is their first interview in seven years. So looking back, all that time when we were listening to all those punk bands on Epitaph and Fat Records. Yep. Good times. Uh, you know, if you'd have said, oh, did you ever read an interview with no effects? You'd think, yeah, of course I did. What are you, some sort of knob end? Why would you even ask that? But no, they didn't. Total uh, media blank for seven years. Uh, and they say the reason they finally um, decided to do an interview is not for their own um, fame or to promote the band, but just time to get their political agenda going, which is to get Bush out. The reason they didn't do anything for so long was basically they didn't like the mainstream media latching onto them and pushing them and trying to make them, um, you know, an MTV band because their big worry was that they'd become an MTV band, get 
really big, and then everyone would fuck off and leave them, and two yeah. minutes later, and they'd uh, end up, you know, worse off than when they started. So they said, no, we won't do any of that. We're going to keep on doing our own thing, build our fan base slowly, and they'll stay loyal. And well, that's exactly what happened. Like through through all the odds, they refused MTV. They refused like any publications. I don't even think they did fanzines at that point. No, nothing. The only place I can ever remember seeing the videos as well was on skateboard videos like, that you'd get on front of oh, a skateboarding yeah, yeah. magazine. They were never on MTV, were they? Yeah. Maybe when Punk and Droblick came out, there was a video from that for something, but I wouldn't swear to it. Um, yeah, so they were seeing bands they'd previously taken on tour, like Green Day and Offspring, um, how they were being used by MTV and all the press just as a money-making tool, and they didn't want, didn't want any part of that, which is fair enough. Well, I knew about that because i just finished reading the NoFX book, uh, and I recommend it. It's called Hepatitis Bathtub and Other Stories, and they mentioned this very issue, which is... An, uh, and I looked it up, which is why when you showed me you were getting this one, I was like, ah, okay. Because mm-hmm. it's the only time they, they did this. And exactly what you said, Dan, they were adamant to not do anything because they were bothered about being used, washed up and, and spat out, spat out just, just like anyone else in the machine. I was, I had no, like you, I had no idea. Because you just think you've been reading about them forever. Yeah. We would talk about them in the car and like, we yeah. know how do we know stuff about them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's fucking weird. Yeah. Um, if you've read the book, then that's great. Because I had a question. I didn't even know right. uh, whether it was true or not. Um, it says they met them when they were 12 uh, in the Hollywood punk scene in 1983. Did they meet when they were 12 in the book? <laughs> I don't know. When you were 12, would you have gone out in the Hollywood punk scene? You'd have liked to, but your mum wouldn't have let you, surely. Even if your name was Fat Mike, you're not going out past uh, you know 9 what? o'clock when you're 12. I think they they had a strange upbringings, and I think they were early starters uh, within punk. But I think that's bullshit. Yeah. From what I can remember, the thing I took from the book... There's two things. One, there was a story where there was they were playing a gig and a fan um, was locked in their van um, and they drove uh, they drove this van and uh, it was her van. It wasn't like no effects van. It was his friend's van or whatever. Uh, and they were driving it and like causing a right, like bashing into stuff and just like driving down the road. And then <laughs> then they finished up trash the van or whatever. And the guy that was stuck in the back was uh, Green Day's Billy Joe. So, <laughs> so that's a great story. And the other thing was uh, with regards to how they discovered their their sound. So I don't know, have you ever heard of any of that really old no effect stuff? Yeah, I love it. Uh, no, no, older than that. Like, so, well, how do I know what's older than... Because uh, I'm thinking you're thinking, like, what, what are you thinking? S&M Airlines? Yeah, older than that. So like they're, they're real shit stuff. <laughs> like, uh, I came out on a white album. Yeah, uh, is it Maximum called. Rock and Roll? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. And yeah, that's the sort of thing when I was diving into No Effects, I got that and listened to it. Well, that's not very good. I'll go yeah. and listen to White Trash Two Heaps in a Bean again. <laughs> I listened to that at some point and I just thought I'm sticking with Bad Religion. 
and and I think it was you that got me back into them. I think because you had that on tape, didn't you, on cassette? I did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what got me listening to them first? Uh, my girlfriend, when I was about fourteen or fifteen, Lisa, she bought me. I heard they suck live, which was really, really, really awesome and funny. Yeah, that's a great album. That's a great live album. There's it not is. many about. Well, they they discovered that. Um, they because obviously they signed um, with Brett from Bad Religion, there his label, uh, Epitaph, and they again from the book, they loved Bad Religion, and it changed Fat Mike's sort of life and his outlook on what he wants with the band. So he wanted it to be that good, and Brett uh, produced them, and you know how Bad Religion have got them beautiful, like creamy harmonies. Yep. Oh, yeah, see yeah. that now so, in no effects, but yeah. slightly more stupid. But that, that's it. Like, Brett really tried to, to push Fat Mike into doing that. And um, to a certain degree, Fat Mike said okay, but then really pushed against it to try and create their own sound. What I find fascinating when you listen to that early, uh, like, Suffer or whatever, and then you uh, from Bad Religion. And then you listen to, to like uh, S&M Airlines and things like that. You can hear it creeping in. Yeah. And that's so so weird that like they've they've taken Bad Religion's blueprint and just sort of like, yeah, we'll take what we like and then we're going to run. <laughs> yeah. And put some scar in it. Yeah, man. And a trumpet. They talk about they don't like much of what's going on in punk right now. So that's 2004 punk. Shit like Good Charlotte, um, which I totally agree with. I couldn't stand them. Uh, and they, to me, represented everything that punk was supposed to not be. You know, you have bands like Green Day and Rancid that had got yanked and became big, you know, pulled out of the scene and made big. Then you started to get the bands that were manufactured to be big, like Good Charlotte and Sum 41 and that sort of stuff. But do you think that's just because of our age, though? Do you think that if we'd have been, like, five years younger, we would have seen, like, No Effects as the old fucks and, like, the, the true... The true uh, punks is Blink One Eight Two and no, I think that. you'd still be know the difference between Green Day coming from nothing and Blink One Eight Two just it, shooting to fucking massiveness. The only time I remember feeling disappointed, it's that like being into grunge and then Stone Temple Pilots coming along. No, mate, Stone Temple. I'm not having it. Stone Temple Pilots. You've awesome. had it. No, uh, I, I've got a, a, a thing. Right, so I was disappointed in the press. And this podcast is about the press. So there was a front cover of one of the mainstream mags, could have been Kerrang, Metal Hammer, I'm not sure, uh, when Linkin Park came out. And it was it put them on the front cover in test tubes because they were a, um, a, a band that was put together by a label yep. or by a management team or something like that. And I just thought, I don't want anything to do with that because it's, it's not metal, it's not punk. It's not what I've grown up. I at that time we were fucking shit deep into DIY. Yeah, that's uh, not friends like. working hard to make something, is it? Yeah, and I just thought it's not real, so I never invested myself with any time into a music like that. Never. Summing that article up, um, it's eight pages long, um, and it's good, well-written stuff. Um, and John Bayer, who wrote the article, he brings in a lot of his own personal feelings and his experience um, and thoughts about going to meet Fat Mike. Um, and it makes up for the rest of the magazine just being a piece of 
advert. A piece of shitty, colourful, bright, poppy adverts that you can't really understand. This bloke obviously has got um, a real passion for punk music and uh, he wrote a really good article, so I was quite impressed with that. I remember Alternative Press... Like, later in the day, there was some article about it, and there was a lot of old covers, which which I, I remember not being so bright and garish as that one. So I, th- I thought maybe it was like NME, where it was an old sort of paper sort of thing. So anyway, I googled it um, when you told me you were doing this, and some of the old covers are well good. Like, Alternative Press really is alternative. It was like um, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains... That sort of thing on the cover. Yeah, I've got three more copies. At home. Have you? Yeah. Okay, who's on the covers of those, you know? Uh, Weezer. And then the other two are like combination covers, I think. Oh, lots right, of different okay. people in the magazine. Yeah, so I, I, I think maybe we should come back to another issue of it and see maybe an older issue it was an, and like see how it started off. Okay, doke, that sounds like a plan. Right, then we get on to the, the album reviews. Descendants, Call to Be You, gets five out of five. Uh, but like we said, we didn't like it as much as everything sucks. So uh, one line drawing next. Uh, get a three for the uh, the volunteers. Only a three. Yeah, I've got a problem with Jonah. Do you remember oh, what it is? No. Uh, everyone in Margate loved one line drawing and thought Jonah was a lovely guy. And we saw him saw him play with Far, supporting the Deftones. That's we were on tour ourselves once, and we played a show. Didn't our show get cancelled and then... No, we cancelled the show because One Line Drawing was playing about two minutes drive away. That's it, yeah. <laughs> so we thought, fuck it, we'll just go and watch Jonah instead. We supported One Line Drawing at the Underworld. Um, fuck yeah, we did. We did. And this is where my beef comes in. Oh, shit. We were outside waiting to go home and Jonah was there. We said hello and sort of uh, nodded. Uh, and then out of nowhere, he took change out of his pocket and started throwing it up at the window outside the underworld one of the coins bounced off and landed on the roof of my car and like made a little denty scratch in it and he didn't even apologize or say sorry wow what a wanker what a wanker what a wanker uh i got some jonah stuff um no i haven't i'm thinking of someone else i was about to trash him but i'm thinking about someone else who josh from 68 and the chariot We'll do that another day. I love him. He Josh, we're coming for you, yeah. mate. Yeah. What? He can't have done anything wrong. He's a lovely guy. He's done stuff. He's a Christian. He can't do stuff. Christians do stuff too. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> one thing I like about Alternative Press, they're not afraid to slag off bands either. You know, we're saying, oh, yeah, a seven is a five um, yeah. in reality. Yeah. Well, this, not afraid to slag bands off. So we got Cannibal Corpse gets a two. And Burning Bridges gets a one. So you don't see that very often, do you? Cannibal well, Corpse getting a two. I know it's not really this alternative press music, but still, masters of their genre, really. I do like um, honesty, though. I, it, it's important, because it, otherwise everything is good. You know, it's bull- bullshit. Yeah, no, totally agree with you. Uh, and then the last little bit, um, it's a one-page... Article, uh, A Guide to Doom in 2004. Uh, and if you'd have said to me, Black Sabbath, I'd have known who they were. Yeah. And I wouldn't have cared back then. But then they go on to talk about Trouble, Electric Wizard, Man is the Bastard, Son, Yob, Weed Eater. I mean, how many of those did you know about <laughs> in 2004? Uh, do you know what? Trouble, yeah, but that's only because... 
Um, James Hetfield will wear, wears a trouble T-shirt. Sun, no, I would have had no idea. Black Sabbath, everyone's heard of. Yob were around then. Yeah. No, no idea. No idea. Man is the bastard we knew because we knew them as like hardcore yeah. band. So, yeah. Who's the other one? So we've got Electric Wizard. Weed Eater. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, all right. Okay. Like, I'm pretty much like... um done with Doom now. I don't want to discover any new Doom bands. I got I got my favourites from the, the US. I got my favourites from the UK. I'm sticking. You're going to have to really pull some stuff out of your Doom bag if you're going to impress me this day and age. And then it got to the point where I couldn't tell what was adverts and what was articles anymore and I just gave up. Well, there's that advert on page three or something which was like we weren't even sure where it was advertising. Yeah. <laughs> That's rubbish. That's too many adverts. Uh, and that's it for my alternative press. I hope you found that amusing. We're now going to move on to Mr. Waller's copy of... Classic fucking rock. And what do you mean amusing? This isn't a comedy podcast. We are delving deep into the, the history of the, the back pages of the rock press, Daniel Sargent. Amused doesn't mean to be laughed, does it? Okay. No, it doesn't. What I've chosen is classic rock. Uh, this issue is from May 2014. And you do like a recent one, don't you? I, I do, but I've got some old ones. I'll just choose randomly. I, I want Kerrang number one from you. I've got it. I've got Kerrang number one in the... You see these wardrobes here? I do, but they can't. It's somewhere in there. And, uh, yeah, and I remember it cost like eight quid or something. So I thought, I'm having that. And God knows where it is now. It's just in, in that shit. <laughs> but yeah, so I chose Classic Rock. And the reason I chose it is because I don't buy it anymore because it's so expensive. Uh, I think this five fifty uh, Classic Rock and then you've got Prog Rock, which is like £8 or £8.99 or something. Really? It's fucking, they're well expensive. Um, so I don't buy it, but I, I do have one here and there, which um, like, for instance, if I'm going on holiday or something, I'll buy it to read on the plane or something like that. So anyway, I got this one because it had Kiss on the cover uh, when I was still into Kiss, so that's why I got this one. Uh, but I don't think it's aimed at the youth. I think it's aimed at, uh, at older older generation. Oh, a, without a doubt. With, a, because of the money, just because of the, the amount that it actually costs. And B, the writing is like, again, like Mojo, quite in-depth and, and quite... Uh, quite adult in its theme like it doesn't skirt over things I think that's why I don't read it because I just haven't got the time that's it it's a bit, a bit like little mini big nets of books when they really delve they really delve but what I liked about this issue is it it was quite um, pretty to look at it's um, it's full of like colourful stuff. Like you know, we talk about the puff pieces that we don't like in normal yeah. Uh, magazines. Yeah, I guess you don't get all that junk in there, do you? You don't get it, but they their version of a puff piece is, for instance, with the the kiss thing. They did all their costumes and things like that, which I showed you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it's really good to look at, and it's not a waste of an article. It's actually 
um, giving you a bit of respite so you can like have a breather from the, the, the in-depth reporting. A little bit of comic relief, yeah. almost. Yes. So, we're going to kick off this classic rock. Aerosmith. It's, we're going to kick it off with Aerosmith, right? I've... I'm not a fan. Never been a fan. Have you been a fan of Aerosmith? Aren't they the film, uh, the, the song for the film about Bruce Willis saves Ben Affleck's wife? That's or... one of their main things they're famous for is like... Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah, that's what they're really famous for. Yeah, that's what got me into them. I wouldn't say I was into them. Are you serious? Yeah. Unbelievable. No, that can't be true. You, you. Yeah, it was that and then Crazy and there was like a trilogy of videos like proper in like 90s when um i was just getting into music and stuff alex had jam did they have an album called jam fuck knows <laughs> i don't know well alex had one of their albums we tried to make me listen to it didn't like it but then you're crazy crazy came out as well as um i won't even try and sing it the one from armageddon <laughs> <laughs> and they all had Alicia Silverstone and his daughter in the videos. Those, those and then Dude Looks Like a Lady so that was and like, Walk This Way of Aerosmith that came was after. way before. Yeah, but I only found out about them after. Oh, my word. That is the worst way to find out about Aerosmith. There's no good way to find out about Aerosmith. <sighs> Do you know what? I really like... Um, I wanted to like Pump. Pump, that was it, not Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I got confused because of Pump Up the Jam. Pump Up the Jam. So that's where that's how your brain's working. It's... Very broken. My, fa- my favourite Aerosmith album is Jam. Um, that was a Little Angel album, was Jam. It? Yeah. Oh, mate, I don't know. Anyway, this... Forget about Aerosmith. Yeah, let's forget about... Well, no, I want to say, have you ever heard of this record? Because this is their most recent album, right? 2012's Music From Another Dimension. No, and I'm never going to listen to it. I've never heard of that. So, uh, that's bizarre, like... From the off, like, like, what could you name Bon Jovi's last album? Um, Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck no. Well, neither I can could... I, but you wouldn't be able to because it's just not in our sphere of. But why life not? Anymore. That's so wrong. It must have sold millions. Yeah, I, I just can't believe I haven't heard of music from another dimension. Why would you though? Mm. It just sold to Aerosmith fans. No one got into Aerosmith off the back of music from another dimension, did they? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Well, let's not talk about Aerosmith any longer. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. If if you're going to start anywhere, like... and You, you said you, we were stopping. No, but I don't want to stop. I, do you know what? I did fall in love with one of their records. Um, what? No, I really did, and I really like it, and I listened to it, uh, just, I think... I took it with me because I've got it on CD uh, and I took it when I went to Claire's place for Christmas last year and it's um, Permanent Vacation. I've got a real soft spot and that I think that's got the Dude Looks Like a Lady on it and Ragdoll and um, uh, it's got a Beatles cover which is one of my favourite ever Beatles covers. Uh, I'm Down, so good. So yeah, fair enough. Um, Aerosmith is a no-no anyway. So next band is Afghan Wigs. And this is a band Daniel is not going to like. Uh, have you ever he- even heard of them? I've heard of the name lots. Yeah, it's like indie rock rather than rock. More indie than rock for sure. Aren't they quite old? 
Yeah, yeah, I saw them way back in 94, and my favourite record of theirs is from 93. So, like, old, I guess. It's all relative. If you're 100, that's going to be one of your most recent favourite albums. But I want to talk about little things. So, if you don't know Afghan Wigs, uh, Greg Dooley is the, the main guy there. I think that's how you pronounce his name, although it's probably Dully or something like that. Um, are you asleep? No. No, okay. Uh, so... Sometimes I just snore when I'm awake. Okay, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, so me and a mate snuck into the Astoria. We had tickets the to see them. How the fuck did you sneak into the Astoria? I can't remember how the fuck we did it, but we did it. So we were behind the venue. You know, sometimes it was a really busy gig. Yeah, go around the, the corner. It would yeah. go around the corner, then around the back, and it was fucking... Anyway, so we were there well early. We were massive fans. Like, uh, Congregation was a great album. I think it was like 91 or 92. But Gentleman was the album... Uh, from 93 that it's like every song's a banner a banner <laughs> a winner uh, every song's a, a sort of banger and a winner together <laughs> a I'm calling it a banner and new I, language I, developed right here 10 out of 10 like without a shadow of a doubt every song is fucking great so gentlemen if you're going to go in go in there but anyway on the back of this they, they're playing the Astoria okay and uh, the, the success has been building up building up for a year and then me and my mate go, and somehow we snuck in. So we've gone to the back, and we've snuck in, and I can't remember the details in any way. Uh, but I do remember Greg Dooley seeing us, looking at us, and thinking, that's fine, you're in, cool. So we watched them sound check. Um, that, and we just, I think all we did was we pushed open a door at the back of the venue, and we were in. Uh, I did that once. Um, Where did you do it? I, it was Brixton Academy, and Corn. we were watching Corn. Yeah. Uh, and I was absolutely hammered out of my face, like proper pissed. And we wound the back for some reason, and Pitch Shifter pulled up with their equipment and just started chucking it on the floor. So I just wandered over, picked up one of Pitch Shifter's bit of equipment, and walked in backstage. Like you're the sound yeah. roadie guy. <laughs> Put it on the floor, and then just started wandering around. And I ended up walking onto stage where Monkey and Heads were setting up their guitars. All right. Uh, I said, oh, all right, and shook his hand and he gave me a plectrum and I wandered off and I thought that was the end of it. But about 10 minutes later, Monkey came out of the back door of Brixton Academy, pointed at me, uh, and then these two big security cards came and dragged me inside and took me in the office and were like saying, oh, we're going to take your ticket away. You're not going to be able to come in the show now. What? Yeah. I was like, oh. Monkey's a cunt. Yeah. Never forgave him for that. Unbelievable. Why would he do that? If he gave you a plectrum, he was clearly... No, Head gave me a plectrum. Oh, right, Monkey okay. looked at me. And I walked past Jonathan Davies and Fieldy, um, but I was so pissed, it didn't occur to me to stop and say hello. And I just sort wow. of stumbled past, thinking I'd better get out of here. Well, my story's rubbish compared to that. Yeah. I, I just walked in, we watched them sound check, and I got a nod from Greg Dooley, and that was that. And then, But the thing is, instead of staying in the venue, we just walked back out and then queued up <laughs> like, to get in. So Did we, Monkey come out? and No, Monkey didn't point at me or anything. What a rubbish story. I wish I hadn't bothered with mine now. Damn it. Back to this classic rock. New band alert. So earlier, whatever that band was called, uh, Cooper Temple Claws. Yep. Fucking hell, I remembered that. This issue was uh, of classic rock. Same, Pretty much same thing. A one-page article, new band. Probably... Payola, the record labels said, we'll, we'll give you um, a shitload of cash, please like talk about our band. So this band's called Black Wolf, 
Um, and they are similar. This is how I, like, in Google, found them. Excuse me. They said, Leopard Zeppelin crossed with Guns N' Roses. That's a pleasing combo. That's a well good combo. So I'm like, I'm in. Upload it. Give it a listen. So the only thing I can think of where they're getting that from is the, the guitarist from Black Wolf's, his guitar solos are, you, you would think, slashes in the room. They're, they're as good as slash solos, but they're just slash solos. You know, they're identical. The modern production kills this record for me. It's horrible. The drummer is trying, like, flash things. So that, that's where I think maybe they got the Led Zeppelin comparisons from. But with that modern production, it just sounds so forced and awful. Three songs in, turned it off. Didn't like it. Awful generic songwriting bullshit. So I'm just not winning with these random bands. And yet, uh, previous weeks with uh, different times podcasts, these random bands have been awesome. Been really into it. So it's a bad week for them. So next page, flipping over, and you've got Hart talking about their first story. And we haven't mentioned Hart here. So I've got to ask Daniel in a second what he thinks. But this is an article about Crazy On You, which is from their first album from 1975 called Dreamboat Annie. I think if you don't know it, then you might know Eminem sampled it in Crazy In Love, his song there. But for me, it's one of the... the when I was working at a fish and chip shop for my parents and I was like, uh, would save up my pocket money, I bought that album because it was one record shop in my little town where I lived and it was the, in the rock section. And it's the only one I didn't already have. So I, <laughs> I just got it. Um, and yeah, I loved it. Like the Crazy On You really? was great. Oh my fucking life, I love it. Heart's first... I've never once heard you mention Heart before. No? If, if a Heart article pops up, I'm, I'll go in depth. Uh, but because this is only about Crazy On You, the song, all I would do is recommend that you fire up Spotify. Daniel clearly isn't going to do it. But then log it. It's you'll know it if, if you you'll know it because you know like you know a song from somewhere like a film or a TV series or something. You'll know this one because it's fucking classic. But if you like it, go for the album Dreamboat Annie. I I think it's uh, not only is it almost flawless because there's one duffer. I won't tell you what it is in case I taint you because um, I could taint you. But the production is one of the best productions um of a rock record i've ever heard like blanket ever heard it's glorious so that's that yeah so um also i I took from their little article like a massive article on this one song but all i took from it was that ann wilson mentioned that she's sung the song sixteen thousand times (laughs) how's that possible Sixteen thousand gigs like can a band do that many gigs is that possible? Let's get out the maths you later. Right, Dan, you work out the maths on that. So, 16,000. 16, <laughs> 16,000, yeah. Now what? Right, so 16,000 gigs. Divided by 365, that's 43 years singing it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Can that be true? <laughs> she lied to me. I've right gone off Well, heart. maybe she did some afternoon gigs. No. I'm not having it. She's lied. Yeah, she's made that shit Anne up. Wilson is just picking numbers out of the fucking air. Yeah, so oh, a couple more things before I get to the main thing, which is uh, Kiss. Fucking Kiss, have I mentioned? Kiss. So, uh, right, so Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel. 
The Oath, one-page advert. It's got me all excited because I hadn't listened to Admiral Sir Clouds Who Travel for ages. can hardly say it. Dan, we played with them, and I think I forced the band, didn't I, to play with these guys. Cause In they're Hastings. Like, yeah, because they're yeah, like... There was a naked man with a dog. and oh. We've been through this story before. We've been through this story with the naked man and the dog? Yeah. Well, maybe... Are you sure? Pretty sure. I don't want people to know about this story because I'm slightly embarrassed that, that we did this. <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, we... Oh, you're fucking right. We have gone for it. But anyway. We're I, running out of stories already and it's only episode seven. Episode seven, I'm repeating stories. You wait till I tell this one again in episode 15, though. It's going gonna, it gonna to blow your socks off. But Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel, right? They are... If you don't know them, and I can't imagine why you would, they are like a greasy rock and roll band, like early quo... Um, Blue Oyster Cult and Fuzzy Slade sort of thing um, but I fucking love them like I, I just don't think they could do any wrong and it's really weird like I tried to convince the band uh, that we should definitely be playing with these guys but just because I love them so much wasn't it on like New Year's Eve or something it was oh, I don't know what we were doing I, I know that one of the gigs fell apart and then the other gig was in Hastings, and it, maybe it was like New Year's Eve or something, something like that. Anyway, but what I got from it was uh, that they're solid. Like, there's no bands like this around anymore. I don't know whether because it's so unfashionable, um, or just like they're a one of a kind. Because when I mention those bands like Quo and Blue Oyster Cult and Slade, like that just sounds shit in today's money. Like, it doesn't sound like it's going to be any good at all, but uh, this they're on Rise Above. I recommend you started this album, check them before you wreck them. Um, give them a go if you, if you haven't heard of them already, because I, I really think you'll be missing out otherwise. Um, I, I want to talk to Daniel, if I may. May I talk to you, Dan? I'm here. Right, the Pixies. I've never seen them. You've seen them. Yep. There's an article in here about the Pixies and they're looking back on 25 years of Doolittle. But I've never asked you, even when you went, what were they like? Yeah, brilliant. Well, and they were hits, not deep cuts, yeah. as you'd imagine. Um, and they recorded the show live and you could buy it and then they sent it to you a few weeks later. Oh, that's great. Mm. Okay, so did you get it? I did, but my girlfriend at the time took it. Oh, no. Okay, was it like on CD or? Yeah. Yeah? I think Kiss did it, something like that. It's a cool idea. I genuinely think that's a brilliant idea. You had to buy a memory stick that you would stick in your computer. So, like, it'll be oh, MP3s. Right. You bought that. Um, and then you didn't collect it, though. And then it was sent to you. Do you know what I mean? So, they would, they would send it afterwards. So, you would pay the money for it there and then and the merch desk. Yeah. Uh, and then you give your name and address or whatever, and then it it gets sent to you. This like memory uh, stick with the songs on. Yeah, that was the same yeah. principle. You just yeah wrote your name and address down, gave them the twenty quid or whatever it was, and they posted it out. Like, what a great memento that is! I, I just think that's great. I really want to see Pixies, and I think they're still together, but with a different Kim Deal's yeah, not Kim there Deal anymore. Kim not in it. Yeah. So I really want to see them because that's another band that should be playing. Fucking download. Like, mm, I think. They're not a download band. Oh, but they're they're fucking rock. They're a Reading band, mate. Ugh. Or an Arc Tangent Extreme Headliner. Well, I don't know. I just the one thing Frank Black said in this interview. He said the big checks didn't come until the band had broken up. 
and I, I'm I presume he's talking then about like the reunion shows, like so when when you saw him, like where, where were they playing? Ali Pally. Fucking hell! So yeah, and that the girlfriend is, that nicked big. the CD was called Ali. Ah, <laughs> world peace. Yeah, well there we go. Um, I tell you what, uh, this records. I'm reading a book right now about 4AD the label and the Pixies have just signed to them, um, so. I'm at the, the sweet spot in this book, and I, I think I might do when I finish the book. Instead of doing a magazine review that week, I might just review the book. Um, Daniel's face says, "Please don't do that, Paul." I'm uh, not so reading that my fucking book. <laughs> I'll send you a book to read. Uh, it's so far, it's so thick. This book, uh, it's taken me two months, and I'm halfway through. So yeah, let's fucking talk about Kiss. Um, uh, in fact, before we get to Kiss, I just want to mention they also mentioned. St- in the reviews, Steel Panther, and I, it's one of their albums, which I think is well average. It's called All You Can Eat. I didn't know about this band until we started doing this podcast, yeah. and now I love that album. All You Can Eat? No. The the first one? Yeah. Yeah, the first one, I, I reckon it's an 8 or 9 out of 10. That's like, just rip-roaring awesomeness, that is. It is. It's like from beginning to the end, I do want to party. <laughs> In my old yeah, fat if we were party away. people, yeah, <laughs> that's the album we'd play. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, so they this one their follow up though, all you can eat was well average, and they give it eight out of ten, and that that pissed me off. And then the therapy get uh, trouble gum, they're re released. I that, loved that album, mate. That's well good, and they give it seven out of ten. Um, I don't know why. Mm. The first time I saw therapy was in an, an issue of Kerrang magazine. And they were, it was something like, we are the saviours of metal, was the tagline. And they were all wearing like gay biker leather stud type stuff. Um, and I just thought, they, I was like well into grunge at the time. Right. And I just thought, any band that's wearing spikes and all that shit, they're going to be... This is cock. therapy. Yeah. Do you know, I think they did that. It was a joke. A, yeah, but wasn't it because they're playing the Monsters of Rock or something? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And they're like, they, everyone was like, why are they playing? They yeah, because they're like hair. an indie band. Yeah, and they haven't got long hair. Uh, and then I was watching Metal Hammer, Metal Hammer, Headbangers Ball, late one night on a Sunday night, and I think uh, Die Laughing came on, which is the one. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I've gone insane, uh, and I was so hooked. So, like immediately, you know, we were saying about how you'd record it, so you had it. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. jumping off the sofa. Fuck, what was on next? So I rewound Die Laughing and watched it again because I oh, liked well it so good. much. Uh, yeah, then saved up and. Got the album, absolutely loved it. Got Nurse a little while later, the one from before, which is a bit more indie. Got a bit more... Yeah, production's a bit more wild, isn't it? Yeah, got a bit more danciness to it almost, and really like that as well. Um, and one of my favourite therapy surprises is when we saw the Deftones, they were the secret support act. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, in fact, that was really good. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that. I'd seen therapy a few times was never blown away by them, uh, but I I was really into their singles. I would buy like each one as it came out, and like back back in those days, it would be like you would buy one one week with two B sides, and then you buy the same song again next week, but it's got two different B sides. That's right. Yeah, so I I was just loving their singles, um, but they were always in enemy, and I was like getting an enemy every week at that point. Uh, before we get into Kiss, have I mentioned Kiss yet? No. Right. Well, before we do that, uh, Def Leppard. Right, get a review in the looking back sort of section. Um, a re-release of Slang. Right, Dan, 
Did you ever hear slang? Of course I did. You are turning your nose up. It was shit. Mate. It's the one that came out where they were trying to be grunge, isn't it? Well, I, that's and what I thought. I thought Joe that. Joe Elliott cut his hair and straightened it into like Kurt Cobain style hair. Yeah. But it was still nicely brushed. <laughs> yeah. Dave Everly gave it 7 out of 10, he's, right? He's wrong. Well, I, I'm writing big letters, listen to this, right? So when I had a free evening the other night... I stuck it on. I listened to it all the way through. All the way through. From the moment when Joe Elliott starts rapping, like... That's right. He raps in this album. Uh, it, I don't find it grunge. I just find it poor. Has it got Let's Get Rocked on it? No, no, that, that oh, was that's the one before it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, it's, according to some review after it, they sort of realised the error of their ways... Uh, and they went back to what they're they're known for, but but still, he gives this album a good review. So I, I was willing to give it a go because I like I do like my Def Leppard. Oh yeah, uh, I love early Def Leppard, Hysteria yeah. and Pyromania, amazing albums. So oh, I was proper disappointed. Um, so I'm I'm blaming you. I'm blaming you, Dave Everly. Um, just be more honest, you motherfucker, because there's no way you like that. Not really. That's not a <laughs> seven out of ten. No way. So I think now that this is paves the way, paves the way for Kiss. This is a massive Kiss special in this, and we're going to wrap up today's episode with this. A lot of it is about Kiss's merch. So they interview individual members, okay, uh, and a lot of it is about Kiss's merch. So they talk about the posters and the Kiss cards um, uh, and things like that, and that is something that's right up my street now. When I was in Australia growing up, Kiss um, were doing a uh, an Aussie tour uh, with a couple of shows in New Zealand to boot, and they were all over the place. If you, if I can't, you know, no one take that or Spice Girls were breaking massive in this country. That is what was going on in Australia. For me, looking at these guys with their face paint, uh, like just as a kid, it was like this is blowing my mind. I'm in before I've heard a note. It's like me getting into ghosts then. Exactly. <laughs> like, like you now as, as a, a young man <laughs> getting into ghosts. So they uh, they would, they would played a song. Uh, so on this episode of what was Top of the Pops in this country, uh, but was called Something Else Over There, Countdown it was called, um, they played, uh, and I remember sitting down, this is my first experience of music right, ever. I sat down in front of the telly, uh, with my knees and ABBA came on with Money 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 and like good song I just had discovered like it was like bing music is awesome right next thing they introduced Kiss and I was excited because I'd seen Kiss on the newspapers or whatever and you know never actually heard them yeah yeah exactly you walk through um, you walk through uh, a shop in Australia and there'll be like posters of Kiss coming to town I remember having the same things. experience with Megadeth and Metallica so I'd be in Herne Bay Market trying to buy Iron Maiden t-shirts and up all around it would be Megadeth and Metallica uh, and I had no idea how to get hold of that. They didn't have it in the it local It seems alien, doesn't it? It's it's at that age, you just think, I imagine And it looked that. dangerous as well. Like, you know, I remember like a big master of puppets flag with all the crosses on it. And it's like, whoa, that's... Uh... I had a lift to go and see Megadeth on uh, So Far, So Good, So What tour. Um, and didn't do it because I was scared because they looked so dangerous. <laughs> so uh, I don't, I don't think I would have got in anyway because I think it was an eighteen, and I was just thought I'm not going to get in. Plus, 
I'm going to get killed because all I'd heard about was like these nutcases in a mosh pit. So, yeah, I, I was genuinely frightened. So I just said no. So mm. I, this guy had a spare ticket and a lift. And <laughs> uh, I said, no, I can't do it. Uh, but, but yeah, so anyway, right. In Australia, I went mad on Kiss. Um, and they had Kiss cards. Like you get football cards, like you would get whatever, Michael Jackson cards. They had Kiss cards in Australia. And I amassed a massive collection. I, I inherited it from a friend. So... Uh, she was gone off Kiss, uh, so this is 1981, 1982 by this time. Uh, so I had this stack of Kiss cards, like doubles, everything. And like now, I've rebought every single Kiss card since you and got them, me them later. got them in a nice folder, and they're worth a pretty penny. But anyway, I had the whole lot. I had doubles. I had everything. And at school, there was a kid that brought in a yo-yo, and I had all <laughs> my Kiss cards. And I, I, you know, where this is going. So. I, I I said, I'll give you half my kiss cards for that yo-yo, right? <laughs> and he was game, strangely. So he gave me his yo-yo. And then I was really frightened because these cards were a gift from a member of the family sort of thing. And I was really frightened that my mum and dad would just go mental at me. So what I said was that I, when, I, when I walked home, I had to walk home through the woods, I buried my kiss cards... And the yo-yo, right? <laughs> Buried them in the woods, right? So it, on Google Maps, right, it will show you to this park. And I can see the spot <laughs> in Google Maps where I buried these kiss cards and this yo-yo um, in Australia. So I buried them and I got home and Did I told... Did you wrap them in anything? No, I just put them... <laughs> in the mud. In the mud, buried everything. Put all this mud over it. <laughs> And I said to my mum, oh, they got stolen uh, like uh, uh, at school. And, of course, then she was worried, so she contacted my teachers. And, like, I caused a shitstorm because <laughs> I was too scared to just say, oh, I'd swapped half my kids' cards for a, a yo-yo. I didn't know what I was doing. What a dick. So I've lost my yo-yo. I've lost all my kids' cards. Uh, and they're in the fucking woods still, probably. And, like, it's so annoying because on Google Maps, I kid you not, you go to my old house... You do a left, you see the, the footpath that leads to the park. It's a muddy path. It's still a muddy path. And there's fucking kiss cards buried there, I swear it. How did you dig the hole? I, I can't remember. I think probably with a like a stone or something. <laughs> so it wasn't very deep. I imagine it came up in the first time it rained, like a week Didn't later. Did you go and get them back? Nope. Never, never. <laughs> Just fucking lost them. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Worth so much money. So that's a little sort of thing into my mind, that is. Um, I've got a little story about Kiss merch. Go on. And it's about you, so you'll like it. Oh, no. When I, we were first mates and I went on holiday to America, it was the first time I'd ever really experienced band merch that wasn't just like a T-shirt or an album, you know. Uh, and it was a Kiss wallet that I bought for you and brought back from America. Oh, man, yeah. Um, wasn't it... Leather as well. Oh, I can't remember. I think it was because uh, it frayed. Like there was a lot of fraying, and it, you know where you put stuff in when that starts to go and it falls out. The wallet's no good. So yeah, that's the story of that wallet. You sold it to someone. Didn't I you? didn't sell it to anyone. I know. I could see in your eyes that's what you're thinking instantly because I sold that fucking rancid CD. You just think that uh, anything. At least I it's taken him. another six episodes for me to bring that up. Yeah, I'm glad. Anyway, on with your on with your. On kiss with the kiss. Okay, Did so you know Dimebag got married. Married. 
in the coffin. <laughs> he got buried in the <laughs> kiss coffin. A dying man got married in his kiss coffin. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I did know that. And I think Vinnie Paul did as well. Oh, really? Yeah, both massive Kiss fans. Uh, both buried close to each other, both in Kiss coffins. And I, do you know what? What I, a dream, right? If you shut a Kiss coffin, does it, like, then, like, as soon as it shuts, does it play, like, uh, rock and roll all night? Like, through speakers there? That would be insane. So that's what I'm getting buried to. I'm like, I want to rock and roll all night. Um, do you know what? I'm not really going to go into this. I wrote tons of notes for this, but eventually we're going to do a Kiss special, so I'm not, I'm not going to blow it. But one thing I would say is they mention here about uh, Kiss's 80s uh, period being a bit shit. Uh, and uh, they call it the, um, the wilderness years. But I disagree. I think for me, and for a lot of Kiss fans that... Um, Let's say jaded, not jaded, they've overplayed that 70s stuff. There is a lot to discover in the 80s, and Paul Stanley was so on it in the 80s. Maybe not towards the end with the let's put the X in sex, and you make me rock hard, and things like that. That was pretty bad. But I just think that you're missing out if you skip Kiss's 80s. If you're into fucking Converge, you're not going to give a flying fuck anyway. But if you are giving up on Kiss 80s because maybe you heard The Elder and just thought this is bollocks, you've really got to go delve into it. You're not going to be sad about it. Uh, the one thing I'm going to end with here um, is that Gene Simmons has got a big quote in there and it made me laugh. Uh, so it was, Paul Stanley is the soul of Kiss. I am the cock. And I think we can all uh, we can all agree with that, right? Yep. Yeah, we can all agree with it. We're not going to so, do the bit about the costumes. I thought that was well. Do you know what these kiss costumes? Right, they're as I said a bit earlier. There is a, a, a side article in it, and it's got fantastic drawings of like kiss from nineteen seventy three to nineteen eighty three. So ten years of makeup and all their costumes. And I know what I love. Right, I. Like instinctively, I'm just going for um, 1979, 1978, 1980. Okay, so that's that's me um, for Kiss. So those more colourful costumes, uh, big platforms. Yeah, bit the, the big platforms, of course, of course, and more colourful sort of aspect of it, and more capes because you couldn't be Kiss without capes in my eyes as a little kid. But then I say to Daniel. I send him a picture over and I say, Dan, have a look at all these. What era would you go for? And Dan? 79. 79, all the way. So that is the dynasty era. And if you if you, <clears throat> if you you know the dynasty era, you know that they're wearing pinks. Paul Stanley's wearing pinks. Um, uh, it's pretty much like the 1978 album covers. So you've got um, Peter Chris in like the massive green furs. Like what animals that meant to be? Like what what animals massive and green? A cat in his eyes, I guess. Gene is like in in red, but has got this ridiculous magician's cape, um, and his outfit's sort of silvery rather than black. Um, but uh, and Ace just looks like futuristic, and these are the people that were on my wall. Um, and when Daniel said that, I was like, you know what? Daniel, I'm going to wean Daniel on to kiss. This is, if I'm not going to get anything out of different times podcast, 
what I'm going to get out of this is I'm going to throw to Daniel uh, like a question, maybe in 10 episodes time. What did you think of You Make Me Rock Hard? What do you think of Let's Put the X in Sex? And Daniel's going to go into great detail. God gave rock and roll to you. That and is I'm a goddamn cover. Unho- is it? Yeah. Uh, God gave rock and roll to you is a cover version. By who? Argent. A band called Argent did it first. He, I the, am literally... <laughs> the look of shock on his face. It's like, their best songs are cover? Yeah. Fucking kiss. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm not a kiss lover at all. And I'm like, unholy, even though... That's like a non-makeup song. Like, as I said, 80s. Uh, That's and, 90s. Uh, right, early 90s as well. Fucking great. Uh, Dan, wrap us up. Get, tell them where we, they can find us. For goodness sake. Paul lives in Minster and I live in Canterbury. You can find us on SoundCloud, as you probably already have. You can find us on, uh, find us on iTunes and Apple podcasts uh, please leave a comment we like that and give us a nice little rating <gasps> I completely forgot I've got to give a shout out to my friend Flumpit at work Flumpit yeah it's a good name isn't it uh, his real name's Jack Flumpit and he listened to the Cancer Bats episode just because he wanted to listen to what we were doing because I keep talking about it oh cool uh, and now he's like a total like dance dude into like hospital records and grime and all that sort all of right. stuff uh, and now he's like where can I get some Cancer Bats you know, and he wants well to hear good. it just out of the interviews and stuff. So I love you, Flumpet. You're a good friend. Um, well, on that bombshell of Shelley Bombs, we're going to give it a, a skip and a go. Hook us up, uh, Walla Not Wella, on the old Instagram. Hellchild619 for Daniel on Instagram. And, yeah, be be cool to us and um, give us a nice uh, rating, like Daniel says, because um, those comments mean the world.